Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. The thing people from presidential systems and countries don't quite understand is why the parliamentary system is so fluid and vague and seems to have people knifing each other and, and it's just not clear and it's not on set dates and it just comes out of nowhere. And, and I get all of that. But it is important to remember that this is the messiest exit of a prime minister in probably three centuries in Britain. It is clearly now the will of the parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new prime minister. The only way it could get messier if the Queen had to step in and force him out. And we weren't that far away from that having to happen. And and that hasn't happened in, in something like 500 years, I think. This is an extraordinary situation and people are right to be intrigued and find it interesting. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. And today I'm talking with the delightful Ryan Heath about the resignation of the larger than life Boris Johnson. This idea that he's bumbling and disheveled, it's all an act. It's mess by design. I've literally seen the man get off his bicycle, take off his helmet, and then ruffle up his hair to be even more messed up than it was by the helmet in order to go in and give a speech. That is something that's just not apparent when you watch him bumble onto your screens. You know, he got caught on a zip line during the London 2012 Olympics, and it's all people could talk about for a day. Well, the zip line didn't fail by accident. Let's put it that way. Mm. Big accusations here on political podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. So them's the breaks, Ryan. Well, that was a concession speech and a half, wasn't it? Uh, Boris Johnson dragged kicking and screaming. It took 50 resignations, 10 separate sex-related scandals in 2022 alone, swirling around him and his party. And in the end, he really couldn't even directly admit that maybe, maybe he was to blame for all of this. So Johnson had the shortest tenure of any conservative head in government in nearly 60 years. What was his ultimate downfall? It goes back a long way. Boris Johnson's career, his notoriety, and for some people, the reason they loved him is that his whole persona is built around a dramatic flair, a sense of caricature that often verged into lies and falsehoods. That goes back to the days when he was fired from the most prestigious newspaper in London for completely making up a quote in his first front page story. It goes to not telling the truth about his personal relationships, which saw him fired from one one of his first political roles with the Conservative Party. And in the end, Johnson presided over a culture that really lacked ethics and many people thought lacked a moral compass. And that extended from the parties that were happening in Downing Street as the rest of the country was locked down until finally Mm -hmm. uh, he denied knowledge of one of his most loyal lieutenants uh, who has been accused of sexually assaulting multiple people on multiple occasions. And it was really Chris Pincher and the Pincher scandal that was the final thing that did it, right? It was the final straw. For a lot of people, they felt that Boris Johnson outright lied over his role in what is known as Partygate, which is the series of alcoholic events that took place in Downing Street and the Downing Street Garden during the course of Britain's lockdowns, which were the subject of a very lengthy investigation. 
But it was a number of things for a number of people. Like just yesterday, Johnson admitted that he met with an ex-KGB agent at the height of the 2018 Scripple poisoning crisis, which really ended any form of warm relations between Britain and Russia. And here's Boris Johnson meeting with someone with close links to the KGB without any other advisors, officials, even a security guard present when the KGB has just recently attempted to murder people on British soil. It's quite extraordinary. And this sort of thing crops up a lot for Boris Johnson. And so in the end, a trickle of complaints became more than 140 MPs last month saying they had no confidence in him, which then turned into a tsunami of resignations. Fully 57 members of the government in recent days have resigned, and that includes dozens of top-ranked ministers. So it became a house of cards that just collapsed around him in the last 24 hours. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there have been a lot of parallels drawn between Boris Johnson and Donald Trump. You know, Johnson kind of has a history of doing exactly what he said he wouldn't do, but then getting away with it. But you wrote this thing that really interested me, that even though Johnson has often acted like he was indestructible, the office of the British prime ministership constrained him in ways that the American presidency did not constrain Donald Trump. How so? Well, the way the British prime ministership works is it's kind of emerged out of a series of political conventions and traditions in Britain. It's not written down anywhere. Britain doesn't even have a written constitution. So the prime minister has grown in stature and symbolic importance over time. And that gives you a certain amount of power and influence. But to the extent that it's codified anywhere, the prime minister is just the person who convenes the cabinet. And it has come to be more important as other countries adopted presidential systems. And Boris Johnson has been directly running around claiming a mandate from the people of Britain and how many votes he got. And it's very similar to the way Trump talks. But the problem is nobody elected Boris Johnson to be prime minister. The members of his party elected him to be their leader. And in the British parliamentary system, the person who leads the biggest party gets to be the prime minister. That does not give Johnson this direct mandate. It's kind of an illiterate form of reading into Britain's constitutional practices. But nevertheless, he's tried to to claim that mandate. And so the point here is that the prime ministership is a confidence game and you must have the confidence of your party and by extension, some broader level of trust amongst the wider community. And Boris Johnson doesn't have either of those things anymore. Less than one in five voters think he should have stayed in the job. And clearly, that had ripple effects across his party as well. I think it is important to note that the the kind of level of moral concern was so great around Boris Johnson um, that this does not mean uh, that his party is rejecting their approach to Brexit, for example. It doesn't mean some kind of uh, cuddlier, softer or more progressive leader of the Conservative Party is going to follow him. It may well be a woman. Uh, because I think there are a number of people who think that a lot of these sexual scandals would have been handled differently if a woman had been in charge. You didn't have these scandals, for example, when Theresa May was the leader. Uh, So you might see changes in that regard um, in terms of gender or people who will make new commitments in regards to ethics and independent scrutiny and accountability. But you're not going to see a major ideological shift in Britain as a result of Boris Johnson leaving. Hmm. So the big question now is who will replace him? You mentioned that there are a couple of women who are possibilities. 
Yeah, it's a wide open field. It really resembles the Democratic primary field for 2020 in many respects. And we know what happened there. Joe Biden was not favoured to win uh, and he ended up pulling it off. So I will be very cautious in my predictions, but it seems to me that it the leading candidates will come from the Brexit wing of the party, Boris Johnson's more radical wing of the party. And the two leading candidates there are Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, who's 46, and Penny Mordaunt, who is also in her 40s, and she's a trade minister. She's more junior, but she has done a lot of work across the party. She's well-networked, she's well-liked, and she's had a lot of time to put into this campaign favourite until very recently was uh, the man who resigned as Chancellor, as Finance Minister this week, Rishi Sunak. And he was considered more moderate than Boris. And then it was revealed uh, that his wife, who is an heiress to a large fortune, was using a special tax status to avoid paying tax in Britain, while Sunak was the Finance Minister in charge of collecting those taxes. And he didn't feel necessary to mention that anywhere. That's not really a tenable position. So he still is liked by many people. He still receives good odds from bookmakers. But that sort of situation is just going to be, um, you know, a wide open goal for any person trying to knock him out of the race. And then you have a series of other moderates who will try and put themselves forward. It's going to be a long campaign and any one of these people could end up the winner. I'm curious, are there any good questions about the ripple effects of this that you feel like people should be asking? Oh, okay, okay. Here is a curveball. Keir Starmer, who is the leader of the opposition Labour Party, uh, is also the subject of a police inquiry from a police force in Northern England. It relates back to some uh, COVID misdemeanors, and it will be very interesting to see what they have to say, because if for some reason the police were going to crack down hard on Mr. Starmer, Sir Keir Starmer, in fact, is his full title, we might see a new opposition leader and a new prime minister within weeks of each other. And that would really flip the table and set pigeons flying. <laughs> Mix my metaphors there. And then one of the other big points of contention in British politics over the past decade has been the success of the Scottish National Party and their push for independence for Scotland. And because Scotland voted to stay in the EU and Britain obviously left the EU, that has become increasingly tense in recent months. And Nicola Sturgeon, who is the Premier in Scotland, the First Minister, uh, she wants another referendum next year. Boris Johnson has ruled out that possibility. She's taking a case to the Supreme Court. Uh, and so what various leaders of Labour or the Conservative government might want to promise her, um, that's going to be very interesting in coming weeks. Okay. Any final thoughts, Ryan, in this moment where I feel like a lot of people have their eyes trained across the pond? Britain is a country that's been going through a series of identity crises, and I think it might be facing another really critical turning point when the Queen eventually passes. Not because the Queen herself plays a directly critical role in politics, but because she is the glue and connective tissue for a lot of Britain. She's the through line as British Empire ended and Britain tried to find some other place in the world and it tried to find that place in the EU and now it's decided to leave the EU and strike out on its own again. And the Queen kind of was the ballast in the system through a lot of that. And she's probably not going to be here for much longer. Then you have someone like Boris Johnson attaining a huge electoral victory to go on and get ahead and, and deliver Brexit, but he will get removed from the picture because of his own personal failings. What we're really looking at is a country that is just 
trying to find some steady state. It's just trying to grip something. And that steady state might not come. It might split apart. There might be an independent Scotland. You might see Northern Ireland reunite with the Republic of Ireland. We might not be at the end of this series of identity crises. And so anything Boris Johnson has said and done and anything he's achieved or not achieved, it has to be set in that wider context that this is a country that ruled the world for a number of generations and has never really fully been able to settle on what it is once it no longer ruled the world. Ryan Heath, thank you so much for talking with me. We'll be back to discuss another new British Prime Minister in a few months, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Also in the news, Politico's Congress team reports that Democrats are taking tangible steps toward a deal on a new spending bill. Talks between Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin have started to show results on a potential climate, tax, and prescription drugs package. And the IRS said Thursday that it has asked one of its watchdogs to investigate how former FBI Director James Comey and his former deputy Andrew McCabe were selected for intense tax audits. The pair were frequently criticized by former President Donald Trump. The agency said in a statement that Commissioner Chuck Reddick had personally contacted Treasury's Inspector General for Tax Administration on the matter. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Dispatch's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our executive producer is Jenny Ament. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>